0: A diverse team provides social harmony and increased productivity and the different needs of our patient can be addressed better by a diverse team. And another major aspect is that there is a great demographic shift and an increased mobility in the world today. So diversity becomes also in medicine um, essential to attract the best minds out there.
1: Welcome to Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Healthineers, the podcast where we talk with renowned experts from around the world about the impact they're making on the future of medical technology. Today, Managing Board Member Christoph Sindel interviews Ulrike Attenberger, Director of the Clinic for Diagnostic and Interventional Radiology at Bonn University Hospital in Germany. Professor Attenberger is a member of the Diversity at DRG Commission. She was also a contributing author to a special report on gender diversity entitled Women in Radiology. Gender diversity is not a metric, it's a tool for excellence. Published by European Radiology in 2018. Christoph Sindel speaks to Professor Attenberger about how a diverse workforce can influence healthcare positively. They also discuss how both physicians and patients gain from inclusive practices.
2: Hello Uli, it's a great honor to have you here today in my podcast series and it's actually about a very exciting topic, diversity and inclusion and I think you can really contribute significantly to this topic given your career so far. Thank you for your time today.
0: Thank you, Christoph, it's really great to be here.
2: Before we dig deeper into the topic of diversity and inclusion, let's start with a definition. What is diversity and inclusion for you?
0: Well, I would say that diversity is any dimension that can be used to differentiate groups and people from one another. In a nutshell, it's sort of respecting and appreciating what makes people different in terms of age, gender, religion, ethnicity, or even sexual orientation and education. This allows us to embrace the rich dimensions of diversity and make diversity a positive value in the workforce. And inclusion, to me, means organizational effort and practices in which the different groups or individuals having different backgrounds are accepted and equally treated. So diversity and inclusion belong together and are increasingly important so that people feel supported and valued at work and can do their best possible job.
2: Yeah, it's pretty similar to our understanding of diversity and inclusion where I say, I believe diversity is, let's say, maybe the easier part because I can always decide to hire, you know, more women. I can decide to hire French people, Japanese people, American people, whatever. But the inclusion part might be a little bit more challenging because it's harder to measure. But for Siemens Helsiniers, it also means like your definition, equal opportunities, regardless of their socioeconomic or ethnic background, Gender, as you said, sexual orientation, religion, philosophy of life, age, physical or mental abilities. I think it's pretty similar and it's very important to us. Inclusion means for us, individual diversity is accepted and understood and all people in our company feels welcome and treated fairly. I mean, we are at least 54,000 employees very soon plus 10,000 because we all hope for the closing of the team up with Varian, as you know, we have people of from more than 120 countries working for us in more than 70 countries where we operate in. So for us, diversity and inclusion is a key for the success of our company. You as a medical doctor now, yeah, which role has a diverse team in providing the best possible care for patients. How do you see this in that arena?
0: Well, that's a tough question. I would sort of take it the other way around. I feel that homogeneous healthcare is quite dangerous and it disproportionately affects some patients more than others. So there are some studies that illustrated, for example, of those diagnosed with breast cancer, it's much more likely to be fatal for African-American women than for white women. And Hispanic and African-American patients are more likely to die from diabetes um, Mm -hmm. than white patients. So increased diversity of the healthcare workforce can lead to an improved satisfaction for racial and ethnic minority patients. And patients who are treated by physicians of their own racial or ethnic background are more likely to report receiving higher quality care. We in academic medicine learn from the industrial companies that diversity widens the access to the best talent, that inclusion allows us to engage that talent. Together, diversity and inclusion lead to enhanced results innovation, and I would also say productivity. There are some studies out there by McKinsey or publication and Forbes or the Harvard Business Review that illustrated quite nicely that businesses, and I would also include there the medical business, with a healthy balance of men and women are 21% more likely to outperform their competitor. And businesses with a good mix of ethnic backgrounds are 33% more likely to outperform their competitors. And very interesting, teams that are gender, age, and ethnically diverse make better decisions up to 87% of the time. I think that these are quite impressive data or better said observations that also translates into medicine. A diverse team provides social harmony and increased productivity and the different needs of our patient can be addressed better by a diverse team. And another major aspect is that there's a great demographic shift and an increased mobility in the world today. So diversity becomes also in medicine um, essential to attract the best minds out there.
2: Yeah, It's an interesting study topic, actually, right? I strongly believe in the advantages of diverse teams in general. I mean, there is the results, and you described it actually, clearly show there is higher collective intelligence in a diverse team. I recall a study from Google called Aristotle. They found out the most important topic... Well, let's say one of the most important topics in a successful team is the psychological sense of safety, which I find very interesting. It's obviously happening in our brain. It's happening in the amygdala. It is when you attack people, when your boss is not treating you fairly or you get even attacked. The brain is working in an act first and think later mode, So it's causing fear and it's blocking the remainder of the brain, to keep it simple, from doing analysis, from thinking calmly about the topic, you know, from being creative. And I find this very interesting. So diversity is important and a speak up culture. This psychological sense of safety is also something I would like to point out because it is helping, supporting. All the numbers you have impressively explained to us. Yeah, I also believe gender diverse and inclusive teams outperform gender homogeneous teams, and that's my personal experience non-representatively. But I strongly believe in this not only gender, as we po- already talked about, but also in the other areas of diversity. Let's say it is super important. And for us, as a, a market leader in the mid-tech arena. I can say understanding customer needs and also solving problems. Diversity helps because you get also different views onto requirement, this different views onto solution approaches. So it makes perfectly sense what you have explained to us. And I can only confirm the importance of these diverse teams. Yeah. Uli, another question which is in my mind, textbook knowledge in medicine is often based on studies of only a small part of the population. So students often learn based on traditional stereotypes. And to be honest, I recall exactly in my studies, right, exactly this the the stereotypes. uh, But clinical signs of cancer look different on dark and light skin. Heart attacks unfold differently in men and women. And bias is... Not only a problem in medicine, I recall women involved in car collisions to talk about a complete different field are nearly 50% more likely to be seriously hurt. And uh, amongst other reasons, one of the reasons is that cars are designed based on a reference man. So the car industry is also striving for getting different Crash test dummies, right, where you reflect more the body and the physiology of women. So that's very interesting. In fact, the differences within the population are huge. How should physicians take this diversity into account in their work and training only?
0: Oh, well, that's also a very um, important topic. Um, I would also take this question um, from a broader perspective. And I found it very interesting that only in 1993, and these are almost 30 years ago, the U.S. Congress mandates adequate inclusion of women in NIH-sponsored clinical trials to determine the differences between the sexes. And we do know, as you pointed out, that there are um, pharmacodynamic differences between the sexes for particular drugs. And we do also know, as a matter of fact, that clinical outcomes correlate to a diverse workforce. So in cardiac care, for example, women treated by female doctors are much more likely to survive a heart attack than women treated by male doctors. And male doctors are even more effective at treating heart attacks when they work in hospitals with more female doctors. So we see it's all about gender balance also in medicine. But it's not only a gender-related topic. Also, to go back to our second topic, um, a study found that radiologists examining seemingly similar arthritis cases would find that black patients reported more pain than white patients but an AI analysis, uh, interestingly, indicated that the cases were less similar than they appeared to the doctor. So the team reports that standard radiographic measures developed decades ago in white British populations might miss physical causes of pain in people of color. So increased diversity of the healthcare workforce can lead to improved satisfaction for racial and ethnic minority patients. And patients who are treated by physicians of their own racial or ethnic background are more likely to report receiving higher quality care. So to answer your question, how physicians should take diversity into account in their daily work, I would say it's definitely a topic of awareness. They need to be aware which great impact diversity can make in the end for their patient's outcome. And it's a major topic for future research, pharma studies, drug development, And much more research is needed for an improved understanding of gender-related and ethical differences in the pathophysiology of diseases, clinical symptoms, presentations of diseases, and, of course, drug effects, including also optimized dose regimens.
2: One thing I think I could add here is the topic of unconscious bias because this diversity is also dependent on let's say a free mind how you approach for example hires and so on right since you have spoken about studies i took one where infants already show a preference towards members of their own race which is super interesting so let's say young kids 6 to 9 months Old, they have already a harder time to distinguish two faces of another race compared to distinguishing two faces of their own race. And these findings obviously point to the possibility that racial bias may arise out of our lack of exposure to other race individuals in infancy. That's also an interesting thing. So for us, it means uh, at Siemens Helsinius training of managers to really make them aware about this unconscious bias yeah and giving them simple help like if you create a short list and you want to hire a person get a little bit out of your own preference and we have all a preference to hire typically people which are pretty similar than us and if you want to achieve diversity i think you should be aware about this trap and consciously need to deal with this unconscious bias yeah so training is uh important but also you know we, you can do a harvard test on unconscious bias and can help understanding yourself better. So I find this all very helpful and also great for improving the unconscious bias topic in our company as well. So Uli, another question. It's an undisputed fact. Women are underrepresented in leadership positions worldwide, also in medicine. What are the reasons in your point of view and what can be done to improve this situation?
0: I would say that we cannot identify that one big reason that is responsible for the underrepresentation of feminine leadership positions worldwide. And there are of course various also individual aspects to it. So I would also like to address it from a scientific point of view. Ten years ago there were quite a few studies out on that topic, pretty interesting and analyzing um, the reasons for this phenomenon. So um, Schollen et al., um, the study was published in the Journal of Academic Medicine in 2009. They identified four major obstacles for female career success and also satisfaction. For example, meetings after 5 p.m. and during the weekends, it's absence of on-site or emergency childcare at work, and it's also formal parental leave policy. They found also out that women were much more interested in part-time tenure track versus men. So 30% of women versus only 14% of men, I mean, this was 10 years ago, were interested in part-time tenure track. There was another very interesting study out there, also published in the Journal of Academic Medicine in 2011. They defined lack of awareness, lack of mentoring as um, potential obstacles for female career success. But it's also about the question whether a woman that wants to pursue an academic career is taken seriously by their colleagues and potential mentors. And along those lines, it's, of course, the old discussion about a glass ceiling or a so-called old boys network that impedes women to get into leadership positions. But these are the well-discussed and and very well-known arguments What I found most interesting um, by a study published by Stum et al. in the Swiss Medical Weekly was that women who are married to a medical professional consider their partner's career much more important than their own, even if they um, were also medical professionals. So 51% of female MDs considers their partner's career paramount, and only 5.7% consider their own career as paramount. So this illustrates very impressively that women still do not consider their own career as important as their partner's career, and especially if their partner is within academic medicine. So that was one very interesting fact, and the other is the lack of strategy. So significantly fewer women um, had a clear picture of where they wanted to be in their academic career in five to seven years. 73% of men had well-defined plans for achieving their career goals, and only 51% of women had such plans. So to summarize, I think we find the well-known and worldwide discussed external factors as career obstacles, which might, of course... Slightly differ between the different countries, but it's children, working hours, part-time, lack of mentoring and sort of gender bias or glass ceiling. But, and I think that this is very interesting, we also find these internal factors such as lack of strategy and a lack of career priority. The value of a career to their own life seems to be unclear by quite a few women. The authors also um, identified or defined some potential solutions, such as part-time tenure track or restructuring meeting times and on-site and emergency childcare, but also formal parental leave policies. But of course, in Germany, however, we have already formal parental leave policies, but it has not changed much in the end. So... From a personal perspective, I would say that early mentoring, defining the value of uh, the own career to one's personal life and defining a personal uh, career goals, this seems to be very important to sort of change the situation a bit. So and for that, we need responsible persons for career development, um, single institution or department at the university hospitals and especially the search committees needs to be aware of the gender bias or better said the glass ceiling.
2: I did not belong to the 73% of men with a well sought through career. That's um, just a side comment but uh, it shows the complexity of the topic and you have multiple levers actually to really gain here. Uh, Some of them we are also actively working on there. In terms of how to improve the situation, I find it interesting. United Nations published in 2015 the so-called Sustainability Development Goals. And goal number five aims to achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. So it's already well-defined on a global basis. yeah. And some interesting numbers. They also say the United Nations women must be represented fairly. And when you look to national parliaments... Only 25% of women are there. And when you look to local governments, only 36% of women are participating or are members. Whereas women account for 70% of healthcare and social workers. So it's kind of inverse and uh, also an interesting fact. So for us means, you know, we need to increase the proportion of women in our development program. So we have started already um, a while ago. We target 40% women in our top talent programs, and we are about to even exceed this. We want to increase the share of women in senior management positions. So we have given ourselves concrete goals we are executing upon. So recently, we added a new board member, as you know, Darlene Karen, very well experienced person in the entire field of human resources and a significant experience. So this is also something where you can feel in the company. It is very good to do this step. What is also very much to our heart is we measure it now, even uh, the DI score, diversity and inclusion score, every two weeks and gain pretty good insights from all of our employees. Where do we stand in terms of this uh, important topic? And of course, we use this as a feedback in order to improve uh, our programs. Uli, another question. I think we pointed it already out. Diversity is a challenge. Inclusion is a choice. How do you foster inclusion in your own department at the University Hospital in Bonn and in medicine as a whole?
0: I would say the advantage of my department is that I can act as a role model myself. Um, <laughs> I would say that the topic of role model is definitely important and there is still a lack. In Germany, there are about uh, 34 university hospitals and it's only uh, three women, including myself, holding a German position in the field of radiology. So if I would be an 18 or 19-year-old student that starts in medical school today, I would still get the impression that chairman positions are mainly held by men and are not easy to achieve for a woman, or even worse, that is even not desirable to apply for such a job as a woman. So what we do in Bonn is targeted promotion and training of all residents, including also the typical male um, domains in radiology, such as interventional radiology. So we have quite a few very talented female residents that are really eager in interventional radiology training, and we encourage that. And we also encourage especially our female residents to take over jobs within the department that go along with taking over organizational responsibility. And we do leadership coachings um, for the entire team um, within the department. And um, the University of Bonn has, of course, special programs to promote uh, women for their uh, academic career, such as sponsoring for their habilitation, which is in the German system a very important step to become a professor later on.
2: What is important from our side, Siemens is I mean, we train our leaders, yeah? That they understand how people feel when they are excluded. Yeah. It personally makes me sad to think about uh, a situation where people feel excluded in teams and so on. That's a situation we uh, must never accept. We know as medical doctors not being accepted has probably similar negative effects on the body as, for example, severe headaches or so. So social pain is pretty much the same as physical pain. And I think we all can follow here, yeah. We believe if managers understand how you feel when you are excluded, it is helping them to create some empathy and to really proactively sense it on one hand, but also include the people. Again, I want to come back to the uh, Google study, Aristotle, where they found out, you know, if people excluded are excluded, if people cannot speak up, It is blocking them. It is getting into this act first, think later, or in other words, fight or flight response, Yeah, where they actually lose their minds because they are completely blocked when they need their minds, right? So it's preventing us from being innovative. So we need to fight this. And as I said at the beginning, it's not so easy compared to diversity to measure it. But I think we need to drive this forward consequently, yeah. We have established a while ago a people and leadership practices, a process where we established a continuous dialogue. In the past, you know, we had this Hey, we ask you once a year, we give you the targets once a year, and we ask you for the results once a year. And we have changed this uh, for good reasons. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And we established a continuous dialogue where managers and employees talk on a regular basis, be it every two weeks, be it every month, and exchange modification of targets, feedback, you know, in both directions. So the goal is to have a close connection with the employees and to understand what he/she needs to contribute to the full potential. Yeah, and this all, you know, should help uh, overcoming this very bad situation of excluding people. Yeah, and then I mentioned already the Helsinki's forum, where we measure every two weeks, you know, from all the fifty-four thousand people, ideally. Not everybody's participating, but most of them, how they feel about our culture of diversity and inclusion. And they give comments and helpful comments just that we can improve. I mean, listening to you a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a complex topic. We all know we want to improve it. Yeah. We stand behind it. Um also Siemens Helsinier Sport stands behind it, right? The management stands behind it, but it is about all these topics unconscious bias and so on where we need to uh, work on and need to get this situation improved, yeah. A final question before the final question. What is your conclusion now? What are we going to make out of it? Do you have a final statement for the audience here Uli That's that's probably a mean question. That's a really a mean question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How much time <laughs> I have I <right>? doing <laughs> So um, I would say that compared to 10 years ago, um, there's a greater awareness in medicine that we do need more women in leadership positions. I would say there is no doubt about that, and there's also awareness that we need to offer part-time positions at our departments, and that um, digitalization might help to offer more flexible working conditions. However, I cannot offer that solution um, to it. The desire for a career in academic medicine and to take over a leadership position as well as um, strategic career planning sort of must come from the young women themselves. And to get there, we need um, the role models to enhance that a chairman or leadership position is desirable also for a woman. And uh, this needs to be illustrated by role models. So What are we gonna make out of it? Um, I feel that we should focus on promoting every single one in our teams according to their individual abilities, um, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, ethnic or racial background. And we as leaders in the field are also responsible to detect, encourage and promote talent. We need a greater awareness for the value of diversity in our teams. I think we can also learn um, there from from the industry, and we need to create a supportive environment, which in the end will benefit not only uh, our team members or employees, but also our patients, and I would say finally also ourselves.
2: Yeah, Uli. I mean, I can only repeat it for me. You are clearly a role model given your very impressive career in giving the time when you made this career, I mean, up to here, that's super impressive. Again, I mean, my conclusion, hey, we made uh, very important steps towards our goals. We have clearly defined still a way to go. As we discussed, it's a complex topic, yeah, where I believe focus should be also on inclusion or even more on inclusion, yeah, for the discussed reasons. Yeah, we need to work. This is a cultural topic. We need to work on the cultural transformation towards inclusion. And I think diversity is complex and it's not only gender. It is really a broad field where we need to consider all the different aspects in our company and uh, globally. So still some work to do here. Yeah. In order to be more successful, but it's also good to see. To learn the study results to also look at it from a scientific point of view and to draw the right conclusions and again i think if women look up to you yeah and learn from you how you made it i think this is really great in terms of role modeling so a final question more from a private angle because i'm curious We have not touched upon the uh, devastating pandemic for good reasons, but what do you do to stay healthy during this pandemic? Any sports you prefer or how do you do it? What can you recommend to our audience here today?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I practice yoga, I meditate and I at least try to follow a healthy diet, but that does not always work out, uh, but I try.
2: (laughs) I know this problem, but hey, that's great. And I'm sure people get inspired by it, yeah. But uh, yoga and meditation is in fact, as we all know, a very strong lever to cope with all the stress you certainly have currently in the frontline dealing with all the sick patients. Uli, a big thank you, as I said at the beginning, It's been a great honor to have you here. And I really appreciate all the statements you made and how you summarize this complex topic. I'm sure the audience uh, could learn a lot from you and I could learn a lot from you. So I really appreciate your time today. I look forward to the next conversation with you you, as always. Yeah. Whenever this is going to be. But again, a big, big thank you for being available here in the podcast series. Stay healthy, Uli. Thank you.
0: Thank you. My pleasure.
1: Wrapping up today's episode, making teams more diverse is an important step to ensure creativity and innovative strength. Diversity and inclusion belong together. They are becoming increasingly important and make a significant contribution to people feeling valued and being able to do their jobs to the best of their ability. In terms of healthcare, this means that Patients get the treatment they need. Studies of broader population samples will improve diagnoses for patients who lie outside the more frequently studied groups. And patients who are treated by physicians of their own gender or racial background are likely to get more effective treatment. Measures such as these can help to expose unconscious biases and promote balanced perspectives across the lines of race, gender, and sex. To make this development sustainable, underrepresented people should also be appointed to leadership roles. This will help create a much more equitable, supportive, and intelligent future for healthcare. A big thank you to Erika Attenberger and to all of our listeners. This has been another episode of Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Healthineers. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.